Butchshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right, crowdfunders. Was that too loud for you? Hope everybody's doing all right. It's Labor Day. What are you guys all doing out there? Getting the last kind of boating in, huh? Having some barbecues today. Well, that's what I got going on. We're going over to uh, a friend's house here. Uh, one of my son's friends is having a little barbecue. So we're going to head over there here in a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe eat another hamburger. Considering that I had a party yesterday, like a little block party for my neighborhood. And, uh, you know, we had probably, I don't know, 15 families. Well, not quite that many. Maybe like 15 kids, I should say, running around all ages, about 11 on down. So... We had a wild one. I got to go clean the yard up. But uh, just to let everybody know, my kegerator came back to life and was a huge success. So I officially have created a man cave in my garage. And maybe I should move my podcast to the garage. You know, put a table in there, a couple chairs. Really go Mark Marin style with it. I don't know. Got the kegerator in there. You roll in. Hey, have a little bit of a, have a little orange wheat beer uh, before we do our interview. The only problem is... Um, I don't think I can do that many podcast interviews uh, locally. Not a, not a lot of action in Farmington, Michigan um, for crowdfunding. So I think I'm going to have to stay with my same system of, uh, of Skype. So, uh, But yeah, so it's Labor Day. Um, you know, pretty exciting day today. Kind of hanging out, just chilling, relaxing. We've got a big week next week. My, my son starts kindergarten. I've already went through all that stuff, all those emotions. And, um, uh, but on this episode... I have a pretty short conversation. I only had a little bit of little. I had a limited amount of time. Let me get that out of my mouth there. Uh, with Jeff Lieberman and his project on Kickstarter right now is called Slow Dance, a frame that slows down time. So, uh, just to give you some stats here, uh, Jeff had a goal of seventy thousand. Uh, he's currently at four hundred and twenty-three thousand uh, dollars with uh, just under fifteen hundred backers with eight days to go. And you're probably thinking, what? It's a picture frame. Yeah, it's a picture frame that literally you put something in like a feather or a leaf. And I'm doing such injustice here. But it like moves it ever so slightly that it tricks your eye to thinking that it's moving. But it is kind of moving. And it's unbelievable. So... Um, Jeff and I hit it off right away, obviously, cause our names are both Jeff. So that, that's the start. And then also, uh, there's a cool Fender Rhodes in the background, which it, it, for my friends out there know that I, I love a Fender Rhodes. There's nothing more warm than a nice Fender Rhodes Mark, Mark, Mark one or Mark two, but maybe with a suitcase and you just, you get the feel of that ivory under your skins and you get those, the, the um, you know, the hammers hitting the, hitting the tines. Oh, I love a Fender Rhodes. So early in our conversation, we hit off of that, but this project, you know, I, I love how far we got into the conversations of, of um, you know, how his music background played a role, his design um, uh, background played a role, his robotics background, all the way into meditation. So uh, for some of my, my friends out there, you know, one of them in particular, Greater Alexander, you know, who I've interviewed on this podcast, you got to check out this, this, um, uh, this Kickstarter because it's just such a cool idea. And again, this is, I think to me, this is one of those like, you know, um, pinnacle Kickstarter campaigns where 
you know, it's the guy's has a he's not out to do this as a business, right? This isn't like his um you know, and he'll get into this. He he didn't create this to like, well, I'm gonna make this product and this product and this product and this will be a great business. This is something that he just created for a friend and there was such demand that he's like, I have to go make this. I have to there's just demand and I wanna make it because it's such a cool art art project slash um just a I don't know. I got something cool for your house. Um so uh, I'll have the link in the page. Make sure you check it out. Um, so, you know, kind of sitting back on Labor Day and just kind of really thinking about, um, you know, kind of all this sort of, you know, uh, you know I, I, we've got a lot of things going on right now with the Woodshed Agency. We've got, um, you know, we've got our What's a Dollar Worth campaign going on right now, which is uh, kind of deep diving into the catalog of music that myself and a, a, a songwriter partner of mine wrote Um you know, we've got our community going on on Slack right now, which we're maintaining, which we've had a lot of good, we've had a lot of signups lately, which is awesome. So check that out if you go to the website and that's our, that's our deep dive into crowdfunding. So if you're into marketing, social media, uh, basically how to move people through funnels, definitely join our community because our conversations there are just really, really rich and a hundred um, I'll let you know right now it's inside baseball. Um, so, uh, so check that out. And then obviously we've, we've got the podcast going on, but you know, recently Sean had to take a trip. Sean, my business partner, had to take a trip down in Nashville uh, to shoot a uh, a project, uh, a Kickstarter video, and also some project product video for one of our clients. And while he was down there, he he kind of, you know, unfortunately planted the seed back in my head of is personally I I thought about moving quite a few times to to really be able to be surrounded by you know, the high end business or not even high end business, but the real good business, music business is what I wanted. You know, um, I wanted to be around the best of the best. And every year I talked myself out of it because I thought I wanted to be in this area, Detroit area, just to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond type of type of mentality. And, you know, I think it is one of those things that when I look back on it, I've been, I shot myself in the foot. I should have got out of here because when, when Sean was down in Nashville and I've experienced this too, and I've been in Nashville, it's the best of the best. And, you spend so little time having to explain why you're doing something or how you're doing something because everybody's good. They all get it. And I find that same thing in this whole market, even when it comes to crowdfunding or business, half the time, half of my time is explaining why I'm doing something. And, and I just get more and more frustrated with that. And, you know, especially considering that right now for which agency and this, this is, I'm going to brag. You guys got to stop me. I'm bragging for a little bit. We have clients right now in the Philippines who, mind you, had a typhoon uh, stop their video shoot yesterday, which we don't get those sort of um, uh, messages too often in our project management tool. But we have clients in the Philippines, Germany. Uh, We have a client in uh, that we we just signed in in Sweden. Uh, I've got, I think, a client that's going to come on board from Scotland. And we have a couple United States ones here. But but we're a global company right now. You know, my biggest challenge right now is time zones. You know, so... You know, and what I'm starting to find is, is I'm having to start, I have to explain less and less why I'm doing something. And I think that's, I don't know what that is about this area here, but it's something that I have now seen through the music industry. Um, I have seen it now locally for crowdfunding. Um, You know, I got a little frustrated with a client because I sent over a um, a Kickstarter campaign. I, I think I mentioned this in the last one of like, yeah, I sent over a Kickstarter for, for a food product, that Mammoth Bar one. And I sent it to a, to a kind of a friend of mine, you know, somebody I know from town. I was like, dude, you got to check this out. This is, this is, this is awesome how these guys are, you know, having a high-end food product and look at the success they're having. Do you think I get anything back? 
course not. And I, and, and I just know that it's that, like, I have to explain it for days, weeks, months. And that's frustrating, you know? And, and maybe what I'm really getting at is, is maybe it's trying to, you know, find the better leads or the better clients that don't allow me, but I don't know how that really works. I think, you know, frankly, you take leads wherever they come from, websites or, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, you know, we get leads wherever they come from and they just come in, you know, Google AdWords, Facebook ads, all that stuff. So, you know, it's really hard to be that selective and be like, oh, we only work with this type of client. Maybe after you're established for 20 years and, you know, this is all I work on, but, but you don't get that right away, you know? So us being a young company, it's, Hey, let's just, let's just see what happens. Let's, Let's go for it. So, so I've, I've literally, you know, as I've been kind of pumping out that my catalog of music, like I've mentioned how it always feels, you know, the music starts to feel better around this time when the weather starts to change or the leaves start to, to you know, you can start seeing the, the, the change of season happening. That's when my music always feels like it just makes the most sense. And that's why I just kind of sitting here and having Sean coming back from Nashville, having such a good experience with, with, with the type of people he worked with down there. You just, man, why am I here in Farmington? That's kind of the question. It's just, it's, rolling around in the noggin and um but but then again I have to stand back and go you know what the kids are happy and uh you know my wife's fairly happy with her job I don't know if she's ever going to be happy but that's a whole nother conversation but you know and we've got a good school district so at some point it's like maybe you have to do look the grass isn't greener on the other side maybe and I just have to stand back and go um you know I work basically from home my clients are all over the world my struggle is time zones I got to have more clocks in my house that just tells me, oh, it's, you know, it's 10 hours to Philippines instead of whatever it is. So, you know, but I think that's a good problem to have, right? I'm not really complaining, you know? So, uh, Labor Day, barbecue. So what's everybody having on the grill today? Yesterday we made a little, we made some hamburgers and hot dogs, some salmon patties. Uh, We had a small grease fire that Sean uh, ended up having to put out that our bacon got wild on us which happens, you know, you know, you can't, you can't win all of them, but so, yeah, so we got a great conversation with Jeff coming up here about his, uh, his, uh, his slow, slow dance, um, campaign. And, uh, let's go ahead and kick it to him right now. Here we go. This is Jeff. This is is this Jeff? This is Jeff. Hey, How's it going? I'm Jeff. Awesome. <laughs> you can hear me, okay? I can hear you. Yeah, you sound good. Okay, great. Cool, cool. Well, thanks for taking some time. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to do audio or do you want to do video? What's your problem? Uh, audio is perfect. Audio great. is perfect. So, uh, 
So right out of the gate, I got to ask you, what kind of Fender Rhodes did you have in that video there? Uh, Mark one. Nice, <laughs> nice. It takes a fine taste eye to notice these details. I have had many Fender Rhodes in my life. Uh, I've had the old big suitcase one that I used to travel around with, with a flight case. Broke, nice. Broke my back for uh, many, many shows moving that stupid thing around. You know, yeah. and I had to always be authentic. I could never have like a keyboard fake sounding roads because they don't sound real, you know? It's true. It's a hard catch 22. Yep. So then you're out, then you're on stage with sound guys going, I don't know how to mic this suitcase 1968, you know? Right. right. And I'm like, no, the speaker's over here, man. It sounds great. Just, just put a 57 on it. So cool. So you played that, <laughs> I'm assuming? I do. That was not mine, although I did have a Mark one myself a couple of years back, but. Yeah, piano player. Cool, very cool. So, uh, all right, we got that out of the way. Because uh, I always love the old Fender Rhodes. But uh, now serious stuff. Sweet, yeah. So your <laughs> your uh, campaign's doing quite well. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so I guess maybe for my audience, just tell me a little bit about the project in general. Just kind of give us that elevator pitch, and then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, the super short elevator pitch is that it's a frame that looks like a picture frame that makes objects look like they're moving in slow motion. Mm -hmm. um, it uses a perceptual illusion uh, based on persistence of vision, which is shaking an object really, really fast and using strobe lights that are t tuned to the frequency of the shaking uh, that all happens faster than your eye can see so that when you actually look at it with your own eye, it looks like it's moving really slowly even though it's not. Um, so it's kind of a perceptual illusion sculpture. And I, I guess the most fun part about it for me is that you can put kind of anything you want into the frame. Some things will work, some things won't, but it's a constant process of experimentation for people. And it looks like right now, is it all feathers right now or is there, is there options for backers? Oh, well, it comes with feathers because those are the only things that I have found that just don't degrade uh -huh. over time when in the machine. Right. But obviously right. the idea is that someone gets that, they they have two things that already work and then they can go explore their environments and nice. try flowers and plants and all that sort of thing. So you kind of, you definitely are blowing up the picture frame world with this concept. Oh, it's a huge world to blow up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, considering I'm staring at a bunch of pictures right now that aren't doing anything, you know, in my house, uh, <laughs> you know, it's nice. They're my kids, but they're really not doing much, you know? I'm disrupting the market. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you are. So what is the back so everything you described seems like um there's a lot of of um some math maybe some science there's some stuff going on there so what's your background to get you to a point where you are developing this sort of product yeah it's funny i don't, I don't know that i could skip any of the steps in my background but i've kind of traditionally hopped around from field to field mm -hmm. i started off in math and physics and then went into mechanical engineering, which went into robotics, which kind of naturally went into circuit design and firmware and things like that. And once you have that kind of tool chain, then you're putting physical things together that have circuitry and have software. Uh, and then I started getting really much more interested in perception and consciousness. And that's where all this kind of high-speed strobe things, you know, and more generally you could say things that take advantage of the limits of human perception uh, became really interesting to me because I was able to actually take advantage of kind of combining all those things together, the, the engineering and the math with this knowledge of what does it take to actually fool the human system. Right. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, it, it, it also felt like to me, that, that music played a part of this for some reason. And I don't know if that, it's just the video is, was so well done that it, 
it's locked in my brain, but your, is your music background a part of this kind of equation as well? Yeah, I guess I would say like this didn't come out of the music, but the music and this came out of the same spot. You know, this kind of need to express and, you know, we all use whatever tools at our, are at our disposal to express what we need to express. And music has been a big one for me. And over the years, as I've gotten more into engineering and uh, sculpting, those tools are just the same. You know, it's like right. playing E flat major scale is the same as learning how to use some kind of MOSFET. You know, you learn these like library elements and then the more that you have kind of proficiency with those tools, the more easily your, your body mind can express into the world. So I find, I find, you know, sitting and playing music as in some weird way, like really similar to making a piece like this. Yeah, it, it, I, I thought your music choice in the video, uh, so one, I, I'm, I, you know, we just discussed Fender Rhodes, so I'm, I'm, I'm into that down tempo. My favorite bands are like Zero Seven, that, just that chill mm. out, neo soul at, you know, type music. So when I, you're obviously as soon as that, those music chords hit and that vibe, and then seeing the motion in these picture frames, it just instantly, like, right to my front of my brain, like, that all fits perfectly. You know, awesome. Is that how you thought of it? Or do you, are you, you know, when you're seeing this sort of slow motion, and, and I'm, I'm also imagining people's reactions when they're kind of being tricked, that there's got to be this, like, what did I just see there? This sort of mystery and, mm -hmm. you know, just a whole bunch of those emotions have to be into this when they're staring at this, at a feather, you know? Um, is that, totally. What are you seeing? What are you seeing from people? I mean, I got I'd love to see what the reactions are from people who see this for the first time. You know. Well, I mean, let me let me start by saying that we were. It was really important to me to just set up a tone for the film. Mm -hmm. You know, I I personally have a pet peeve about kind of this the Kickstarter pitch that's just like too much of a pitch for me. Right. And I I was much more interested in just making someone lose themselves for 90 seconds and kind of like wake up at the end of it and like, what the hell just happened? What did I just watch? Um, that's exactly then, what you did. That is exactly what you did to me. So <laughs> my, my mind, if you can get someone either feeling wonder or confusion, you're doing, you're doing it right. You yeah. know, it's like, and then they could always look up the information in the page and all that sort of thing. So I really was focused on not trying to get a lot of information across, but, really just try to put someone in that childlike state for a minute and remind them what it is to have no idea what's going on and like actually feel the wonder about that. So when we were filming, Hannah is the model in the video mm -hmm. and she's a musician and she's a piano player and we just set up a microphone and we just had the roads on so that she could play kind of between takes while we were doing lighting and things like that. Um, and she ended up during the day we were filming, probably looking at this thing for like three hours. Right. And someone who who has a meditation background, looking at something like this is a form of meditation. You kind of lose yourself in the pure sensory experience of the object. And so she was just kind of in that space the whole day. And just when she would go play on the on the roads, we recorded it. Uh, and her improvisations ended up being the soundtrack for the film. That's a great so, happy accident right there, it sounds like. Totally, totally. And, you know, didn't know if it would happen, but, I mean, yeah. definitely she nailed it. Um, and just, you know, she was in the space of the piece. It was kind of like you could feel that she was she was with it. And yeah. so it just, it just worked really perfectly. We actually tried to make a soundtrack one day, and it was, like, too forced. Right, right. And was just using the scraps from his, uh, his cell phone <laughs> recording, and it worked amazing. It worked uh, out great. It's awesome. It's so funny. 
Thank you. Yeah, so that, that was like one of those, just like many happy accidents that happen along the way with these projects. That was definitely one of them. That's cool. So uh, in a lot of these conversations, what, I, what I've been noticing on, on with a lot of these successful campaigns is this, is this sort of taking back things, things back to maybe grassroots type of vibes, but doing it in a unique way, whether it be a energy bar that's all natural or, you know, very select cottons in a blanket, whatever the, whatever the story might be. I love the fact that it, you know, you've taken a, you know, well, I don't know how long a frame's been around forever. And you've put, and then, not, and we're all walking around with devices where we're, it's, we're actually more like, I want to have a thousand photos of stuff. Right, right. And you've kind of taken it back to a simplistic level, yet still tweaked it just enough where it's like, it is still a feather, but it's, it's, it's so much more than that, you know? And I, I love the sort of new thing I'm seeing, I feel like, in a lot of these really successful Kickstarter projects. And I'm wondering what that's doing as a, if that's happening you know, in America right now, or in design, this, this, do I really need a thousand photos? Do I, you know? Yeah, I think you're, I think you're seeing a couple things. I think you're seeing the kind of wave reaction to things having gotten so fast. Yeah. You know, like that was going on for the last 20 years. I mean, it's been going on forever as well, but I think you're only recently hitting like people hitting their limit and actually realizing that they're like not able to sustain the way things are moving. Mm -hmm. And for me, like a lot of the time, I, you know, I think if anyone, takes a look at, uh, you know, the internet and Facebook and email and all that kind of stuff, like there's just more and more stuff pulling at our attention, like every three seconds. <laughs> yeah. Probably a lot of people that are listening to this are listening to it kind of in the background while doing something else, mixing, yep. multi-threading, all that kind of stuff. And I personally have found that that like just makes me less happy. You know, and when I really lose myself in one thing for uh, any amount of time, I, I don't even know that I'm happy. I'm just like happy. I'm just enjoying myself. It's, uh, yeah, it's intriguing. And, and, and where does the so you, you said you study meditation? Yeah, meditation has been a big part of my life for the last 10 years or so. Um, and in some sense, you know, for people that have a background in it, I feel like this is a device that is kind of like a portal you know, in the sense that someone might take like an LSD trip and like see what the world might be like and then come back to their normal frame of mind and have this kind of like reference point of like, oh, you know, a lot of the things I'm assuming about reality might not be true. I hope that in some sense this kind of jars people out of their moment by moment uh, day to day. It's almost, you know, it's of, almost a metronome for meditation, maybe. <laughs> totally. <laughs> We've had some requests to make it move to music, but I can't figure out a way to do it that's not hokey. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's great. Yeah, it, it, it's it's intriguing that meditation's in your background because I can totally see either in your conversations how people have a, can equate to this. Me, somebody who's dabbling meditation, trying to get a part of my life, trying to not multitask, you know, trying mm. to be this sort of, you know, doing Bikram yoga for the last year, just trying, you know... So you're, you're standing back and now looking at this page, this page is starting to, to, to speak to me differently, kind of hearing these sort of background things in your, in, in your life and how you got to create this. It's, it's really awesome. Really awesome. Thank you. Well, you know, like how a lot of people in our, in the Western world, they come to yoga to initially to like improve their body or something. And then a couple of months into it, they're like, Oh, this is actually changing like my whole life. <laughs> I feel like in some sense, this is a parallel. It's like, I didn't want to explicitly talk about meditation too much because that word is so loaded with people. Yep. It's really about just like clarity and presence. It's very, very simple. It's almost too simple. And so in some sense, this device can just be like a weird backdoor portal 
into someone just losing themselves in sensation for a bit. I, I, I totally see the calming, the, just a, a calming sense. I, you know, uh, again, another thing that I, I'm equating that I, I shared this with my wife, uh, your, your campaign, because you know I've got a five and a three year old, and they're crazy. You know, and they're you know they're five and three year olds, but but I almost see this as being something to put in their room for them to maybe find a moment. You know, like totally. You know, just go. You know, instead of me saying go in your room and play with a toy, maybe they just go in the room and just chill for a minute. Because they're getting the stimulation, you know, 24-7, you know, and their little brains are trying to memorize everything. And this is, I, I, I saw it for that. So I sent it to my wife. I was like, I think these would be great things. Again, instead of adding just another picture of me and my wife holding hands or, you know, you know <laughs> we got those, you know, it's like, huh? let's put something else in there. And, and I think, I, I feel like this, this would be a great tool for that. I don't even know if tool is the right word, but a great product mm. to put in a room. Yeah, I appreciate that. Like I, the first time I showed a 10 year old, you know, the next two hours were him looking at it and then running out into the garden and finding something new and bringing it in and testing it and iterating. And it's like a, it's a cool mix because you start to get, a, you start to turn into a little scientist, you know, you're like, oh, what will this thing look like if it shakes 80 times a second? Oh, right. how is this thing going to twist? And, and then the only data that you can get from the experiment is looking at it. So you have to like continually come back to just losing yourself in what it looks like. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny how we just don't have like a lot of excuses to do that these days, except when it's like something that's being force fed, you know, some right. content that's predisposed and, and to do what it wants to do. Yeah. So, I mean, being honest, did you expect your campaign to be where it is right now? Did you have a major strategy before or, or you know? Were you expecting this to some degree? Like, did you have any feedback for prior, or were, have you been taken back a little bit by it? Um, a little of both. I, I thought we'd make our goal. I have shown this to, you know, probably about 100 people at this point have seen it in person, and kind of everyone flips out, you know? And, and I think, really, it's a, it's a very easy formula to, to, to do it. You know, if you break the rules of someone's perceptual system, they're going to be interested because there's nothing in the planet that actually agrees with what they're seeing. Like their whole life experience tells them that what they're seeing shouldn't be happening. Right. So it's kind of an easy formula to make someone interested in a, in a product. Um, so I felt like in that sense that it definitely was going to catch on with people. I was worried about whether a film could actually make people realize that it was a real thing and not like a video effect. Right. Uh, which is why we put really painstaking work into making that film. It was not an easy film because if you film with a normal camera, it's all blinking all over the place. Yep. Um, so I would say in that sense, I expected it to do well. But beyond the, the whole like getting people you know to buy it and ensure that it hits the goal and whatever, you really can never know whether something's going to take off virally as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So, that was really beautiful. Um, I, I might have expected it to land somewhere at like 200, maybe 300, but it's halfway through the campaign. It's past that. So it's really that part is definitely still surprising me. And, and it seems like have, have you been picking up some press? I swore I saw something the other day and I can't tell if I just, you know, a cookie got me oh. from Facebook or somewhere. But it seems like you've been picking up some press. There's a lot of press, and yeah. I did do a lot of work before the campaign, you know, about two weeks before emailing every, I, you know, I do artwork, installation scale artwork for my normal day to day. So I have a lot of contacts over the years who have featured our work. So I definitely contacted all of them, you know, two weeks before the campaign was released to kind of make sure 
uh, see if anyone wanted to put our article together. So the day that we launched, you know, two or three places had little features, and that was a great uh, momentum boost. Yeah. What What else outside of when we just kind of breaking down just the campaign itself? You know, how long did you actually prep? You know, I know you mentioned two weeks for that, but like, how long did you really prep to get this thing off the ground and and uh, the campaign itself? How long did you take for that? Yeah, it's hard, it's really hard to to answer a question like that because you know the the first prototype was built about two years ago oh, wow. for his wedding, and after that I just kind of sat with it for a while. It was just theirs, and that was great. And then you know the more time that passed by, it was like you know what this is something that a lot of people want their hands on and want to you know I really love the idea of people getting to if they like an artwork to just get to be with it all the time. Mm-hmm. I think something really different happens over tens or hundreds of hours of experiencing something like that. So the first year that went by, you know, two years ago, just like didn't really feel like I didn't wasn't really thinking about any of it. I was just kind of enjoying that we made it and, and that sort of thing. And then all these percolating voices came up about uh, interest in spreading it around. So I would say the active period has been just under a year mm-hmm. of finding finding a manufacturer in China, uh, really developing the relationship with them. That led us to having to make a lot of changes to our initial prototype so that it was, you know, DFM'd, designed for manufacturing. Um, we're still going through the last stages of that to prep things for injection molding and that sort of thing. So, you know, somewhere somewhere between six and 12 months has been more active, but it's never been a full-time gig yet. Right. What is what does scale look like on this? I mean, you just you just mentioned China, but I, when I before knowing that, I was looking at this and going, boy, this seems like it's almost built from scratch or very labor intensive. What does scale look like? Yeah, there's there's a lot of parts. Yeah, it looks like <laughs> a ton of parts, even though it's a picture frame. You know, it's like man, there's a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot of little parts, and you know, the fact that it connects a software system with an electromechanical system is a you know, it has its own challenges, but that's having worked in robotics. That's kind of like my bread and butter these days. It's pretty easy to hook those systems together. So it's got a lot of parts, but none of them are really unknown. Um, you know, things that have never been explored before. It's just putting some of those parts together in a different way. Gotcha. So yeah, it feels. It, I don't know. It's a. Uh, it's very simple and very complex. As as Einstein said, it's as uh, simple as possible, but not simpler. <laughs> uh, Mr. Einstein, he's got a lot of quotes out there. <laughs> oh, the best. Even the fake ones of his great. <laughs> yeah, there's probably uh, there's probably a gazillion of them on Instagram right now if we wanted to. <laughs> totally. There's probably a hashtag of it if we just search for a second. <laughs> so how many prototypes did you go through uh, over over the course of the what couple years there? Um, just three, I think. Really? You know, we had the original one and... You know, I'm thinking about in terms of phases because, you know, even within one prototype, sometimes you're changing a part four times. Um, But, yeah, we just made one and then we needed to improve the clips so that people could attach different objects more easily. And then we made those. And right now we're going through a third revision where we kind of deal with the realities of injection molding and tolerances and, you know, redesign things to accommodate that sort of thing. Right, right. So... With 14 days to go and you, you know, basically killing your goal, what's the plan? I mean, is there stretch goals that you're thinking of or is it just, are you just planning on riding it out? I, 
was very on the fence about stretch goals. Um, mostly a lot of warnings from people that have done campaigns that have gone, gotten spread very far, uh, saying that they spent kind of an inordinate amount of time on stretch goals that didn't really serve them. Mm-hmm. And, and I really like the thing that hits me right now is I'm about to deliver, you know, probably 2000 or so of these things right after the campaign. Yeah. Um, that's, I got my work cut out for me, mm-hmm. and I like even having been an artist for the last ten years and making things a lot. Um, that's a big chunk of responsibility, and I'm I'm much more interested right now in accomplishing that without massive failures and like explosions and things like that. <laughs> um, because you know I did another Kickstarter five years ago, and I delivered 260 sculptures, and. One in about 10 of them had this tiny little problem with this little plastic piece that was like a 10 cent piece of plastic. And I just had to spend so much time helping people fix their stuff. And I just felt horrible because I didn't want like anyone to have to do anything. It should just work out of the box, you know? Um, So that little lesson, you know, now we're going 10 times as big. And I can only imagine what it would be if 10% of people had a little plastic part that wasn't doing what it should do. So I'm really taking, you know, taking that kind of thing really seriously. And what that means is that there are ideas that have come up for stretch goals that I really find valuable, but that'll probably wait until this first revision goes out and then I can iterate. Because iteration, it's like, man, once you spend the time getting a system working, iteration is super easy and fun. Yeah. But getting the thing working and getting it into 5,000 people's hands, for example, and like waiting a year and making sure that not 5,000 people call you with problems. <laughs> right. Um, that's like top of my top of my list right now. Well, I'll just give you a, a little bit of a, um, uh, you know some advice from a project that we worked on where you know we had over five thousand backers, and it took everything to make sure everybody got what they were supposed to get. No, you know somebody didn't get the wrong T-shirt. You know, and, right. and it really turned into like that was our that was our lesson we learned. This is around twenty twelve where. We just didn't have the team to handle five thousand of anything. It, you know, you know. So that's where I'm wondering if you're probably sitting here going, "Man, two thousand of these things going out." The, you know, sh- mm. you know, not only just shipping, but sort of tech support or whatever you want. You know, just, you know, being a good company. I, uh, that's a lot of people. You know, I, I couldn't agree more. It's really uh, uh, overwhelming when you add zeros to things. It really, <laughs> yes. really slows them down. You know, um, I. I feel you. I'm, you know, I'm also looking at this being an ongoing commercial product. So I'm trying to set up the whole fulfillment pipeline to be really smooth. And, you know, I only have basically one reward. There's a little limited edition set, but that, you know, besides that it's, you know, you get one or two or five or 10 of this right. one. So that's massively simplified. And I, I intend on working with one of the fulfillment companies, whether it's like Shipwire, ShipBob, there's a, a bunch of ship yep. blanks um, to, to choose from. So Still looking into all that, but I think that will really help out with what you're talking about as yeah. a potential. Yeah, it, it, it was just, you know, it, it, everything, you know, it's one of those things where, like, it was so early in Kickstarter, you know, 2012, so a couple years, and we were just like, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And then we just had no <laughs> idea after we were just like, what did we do? You know, we're going through Excel spreadsheets. Like, they're, you know, I was like, I'm not a data Excel spreadsheet guy. I was. I was for like three months, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So, uh, but those, and those back, uh, those, uh, fulfillment companies, they weren't really around back then. So that was totally, you know, so <laughs> kind of amazing what's happening with the whole, like 
ecosystem around crowdfunding. Like there's so many companies coming up that are just just helping out stages of this kind. It's kind of overwhelming. Yeah, it really is. So. So what would you, you know, if you were talking to somebody about crowdfunding, what would you say was, you, you know, outside of having a, an unbelievable product, but what would you say is like the one thing that you really think, you know, solidified you getting to where you are right now, or at least getting that goal hit and, you know, early on, what's been like the one thing you feel like? Um, I don't know how, well, I don't know if this is practical or just like pie in the sky kind of stuff, but to me, it's like, you got to be making something for yourself. You know, that to me is the most important thing. You got to be making something that's out of that you would want. That's for your love for yourself and, and not to try. Like, I'm not it's never crossed my mind to try to do this to like exit strategy or to like retire or anything like that. Right. It's like I, it was really literally like I loved this thing enough that I wanted other people to be able to have it and look at it all the time. Um, and I feel like that as my motivation makes the work easy. And if it was trying to figure out a way to turn a product into a profit or whatever, it would have been, I don't know, I would just feel a little like I was slogging through the mud, you know? Yeah. Um, so really, that's it. And then the other, the more, much more practical thing, if I was going to make it more pragmatic, is like really test, you know? So many people these days are in such a rush to get something out there and they just make so many mistakes and then you get Kickstarters that burned to the ground before they've delivered anything because they didn't actually do their budgets in advance or they didn't test something for more than two hours. And like real life, man, someone's going to grab your thing and they're going to just throw it at the ground <laughs> yep. and they're going to hope that it works, you know? Yep. You, <laughs> so, you never know what somebody's going to do with a product, man. It's, never know. And like what we tend to do is we total confirmation bias. We were like, oh, I'm holding this thing and it's working. So it's going to work 10,000 times. Yep. No problem. No, and and I'm I'm way more uh, hesitant about that kind of thing these days after years of experience building really large installations. I'm in a building right now talking to you where we're installing a 70 foot high thing that has 400 moving parts, and like you better believe we tested those things millions of cycles before yeah. they go on the ceiling. Millions, literally. So that we know that these things are destined to last for 20 years. Right. Yeah, you you you're definitely approaching it in the right mindset for a, for making a product. Uh, you know, I've got a couple clients that we're trying to get them in your mindset, right? Just take your time. There mm -hmm. is no like Kickstarter rush. It's not like it's going away at the end of the year or whatever it is. And it's just, I find that we're putting these these parameters around it that don't make any sense. What really makes sense is, are you making a great product? You know, totally. You know, so what did you what do you think is the biggest difference between your two campaigns from the first one to this one, in terms of just the whole landscape of, of crowdfunding? Oh, the whole landscape. I mean, I, I did the first one in 2011 and no one knew what Kickstarter was, you know, I mean, yeah. you could, you had a couple friends that were trying to put stuff together and it was a cool camp, cool platform because now you could actually get your friends involved or whatever. But as far, I made something like 33,000 on that campaign. And it was like, I think it was like first or second in the sculpture, you know, the art mm -hmm. section at the time. For the whole site, and now it's like if you get thirty-five k on something, you're like on page forty. You know, right. yep. There's yeah. like all these like million-dollar art projects, which is kind of insane. So like the the fact that the Kickstarter community or crowdfunding in general has like really really spread to the millions, um, I think that just dramatically changes things because if you come up with something that is valuable or that people find value in, 
they're going to be able to find it in a way that they couldn't before. You know, I, I when I look at the stats of this current product, like we tried to push it out to people, we tried to get our friends to know, press to know, all that kind of stuff. Still, almost 50% of the people that are buying my sculpture are doing it through Kickstarter. Like hmm. they're, they're browsing around Kickstarter, or they're getting a Kickstarter newsletter. Um, and that's incredible, you know, like they have an email gets sent out and millions of people are able to look at your thing right away. Uh, uh, yeah, we just finished a, a campaign for uh, a documentary and it was, I think Kickstarter was our third highest outside of Facebook ads, mailing list, being on Kickstarter. Just right. Just being here and having them, we were in their <laughs> newsletter and hero section. So, so just Kickstarter itself being a good, a good home, you know. Totally. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Well, I got to tell you, I'll, I'll let you go. We're getting close to 30 minutes here. I appreciate all the time you, you gave me because I think my uh, I think my, my listeners for this podcast are going to totally be into this product. It's it's fascinating. It really is. It's, it's And it's I, I love hearing where it came from and how you got it developed because it's awesome. Thanks so much, Jeff. Really cool. appreciate it. And uh, good luck with you and all your future crowdfunding. <laughs> Thank you. You too. I mean, you've got four. You've got uh, two more weeks, so you 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 can you could probably hit half a million on this thing, maybe. You know. Yeah. It looks. If your listeners go check the page, we'll, we'll make it happen together. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely push you over half a million right now. Just... <laughs> I'm looking for it now. My expectations are high. <laughs> yeah, Thanks. the greatest podcast on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff. I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Okay. Take care, Jeff. Yeah, bye.
it beat you'll stop the clock that syncopates our love and the rhythm that makes my love for you never stop